What's the best news that you have heard recently? I wonder what's the best news that you have heard recently. Maybe it's to do with a, a new promotion at work or an opportunity there with your, your job, or uh, maybe it's about your favorite sports team or your favorite hobby. Uh, maybe it's about a, a test or an exam result that has gone well or come back clear. Maybe it's about a, a new addition to your family, maybe a, a, a child or a grandchild or, 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 or something. Uh, maybe it's a, a new pet. <laughs> maybe it's to do with future plans or even a summer holiday. On Friday afternoon, we heard the wonderful news uh, that the United States has dropped its requirement for travelers coming into the country to present a negative COVID test before flying to the States. And you know, folks, this is, yes, 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 John and Leah, no, yes, this is great news. Our family is over the moon, uh, you know because uh, we don't need to worry anymore about the added stress of whether that extra line on the COVID test will derail our plans, and of course, it saves us money too. And of course, we plan to be safe, but we're encouraged that this barrier has been taken away. For us, it's good news, and we're very happy to talk about it. <laughs> uh. It means that uh, in the context of our summer plans, uh, we're able to go more freely, and we, we're very delighted. And that's the thing about good news, isn't it? You know, when you've got good news, when you've heard something that's really, really good news and means a lot to you, uh, sharing about it comes naturally. You talk about it just naturally amongst your friends and your family and the people that you come across. Over these past uh, six weeks or so, we've been looking at what it means to, to love your church and to actively take, your, uh, take up your, your place in, in the church. And this morning, we come to this whole area of witnessing and evangelism, sharing the good news about Jesus Christ, which, of course, is the best news ever. The interesting thing is that every day throughout the world, people are constantly evangelizing about something. Go onto Facebook and people are talking about their latest craze or their latest fad or fashion or the thing that they're involved with or, or trying to sell or, 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 or talk to you about. Uh, people are sharing good news all the time about all kinds of different things. It could be about graduations or weddings or family milestones or anniversaries or birthday celebrations, personal successes at work or in day-to-day -day life, or just generally speaking about things that they're passionate about. And when you take a look around, it's, it's clear to see that folks can be passionate about some pretty strange and far-off things, can't they? Uh, London Business Magazine, called the Bookseller, runs a, a competition called the Diagram Prize, Diagram Prize, every year, in which they try to find the book with the oddest title, the strangest title every year. Competition rules stipulate that the work has to be a serious book and it has to be non-fiction. One year, I think it was back in 1994, the winner was called Highlights in the History of Concrete. <laughs> Page turner that. Runners up that year, I think it was, included the illustrated history of metal lunchboxes. 
and the development of brain and behavior in the chicken. Special mention was given to Soviet bus stops and butchering livestock at home. Other winners uh, in other years, 2004, included bomb-proof your horse and managing a dental practice, the Genghis Conway in 2010. You know, it's, it's amazing what interests people have and what interests them enough to spend time in order to write a whole book on the subject or to speak about it publicly. I suppose the question before we get too far down the track this morning uh, is that why we as Christians, generally speaking, are often slow to share the good news of Jesus Christ with others. What holds you back from sharing your faith with family or, or friends, sharing openly with colleagues or neighbors, those people who are connected in your networks around you that you rub shoulders with or, or meet uh, day and daily? My guess is there are a number of reasons why many of us struggle to, to share our faith with others, and sometimes we're afraid of what other people will think about us. Uh, how being identified as a Christian will affect our status or position in work or family or in our friendship groups. We're worried about any stigma that may become attached to us being labeled as a Christian, or which might lead to our being mocked or rejected for our faith. Other times we, we hold back from sharing, don't we, because we're not sure what to say or we're worried that we might get it wrong, or we might not know how to answer a tricky question that some, somebody might have for us. And so we just, we hold back. We don't say anything. Really though, if someone can be excited enough to write a book that talks about the history of concrete, shouldn't we be able to muster enough courage and excitement and enthusiasm to tell people about Jesus. Why is it so hard? You might say, well, uh, I'm not a minister. I haven't been to Bible college. I haven't had any formal training on how to share my faith or what to say or how to answer hard questions. And You know, the funny thing is that even people who've had all of those things still struggle. Why is that? I think uh, Tony Merida in his book, Love Your Church, uh, he, he hits the nail on the head when he reminds us this. He says, evangelism is first and foremost about our hearts, not our methods. The how-to is important, but the lack of want-to is the most obvious problem. The lack of want-to is the most obvious problem. So what is it that you talk about on a regular basis when you're, when you're out with your, your friends, when you're spending time with family, seeing people that you haven't seen in a while and, and you're connecting with them? Well, what, what is it that dominates your thoughts uh, throughout your day? And Jesus tells us that we speak out of the overflow of our hearts in Luke chapter 6. If somebody is excited about fishing, uh, they'll talk about lures and bait all day long. Uh, 
if you're soon to be married. You'll no doubt want to talk about wedding plans and wedding cars and venues with anyone who will listen. And talking about your fiancé all day long is not a problem. When it comes to talking about and telling others about Jesus, the same should apply. See, there, there, there's no point in, in me standing up here and telling you this morning that you should evangelize more, even though that we all should. And there's no point in me standing up here saying that if we don't, as a church, begin reaching out more into our community and into our networks of friends and into our relationships and inviting people to church and growing here as a church, there's no point in me saying to you that in 20 years down the line, we'll be a dying church even if that is true. There's no sense in me trying to make you feel guilty this morning about not sharing your, your faith or evangelizing and inviting friends and loved ones to come and see what you found in, in Christ. If it's just to make you feel bad or afraid of what might happen to St. Mary's in some 20 years' time. Guilt and fear are poor motivators when it comes to going on with the Lord. That's not what this is about. What's a far better motivator is for each of us to be challenged this morning to ask whether Jesus has become the most beautiful and compelling person in your life or not. Is Jesus the most beautiful and compelling person in your life? Is he the one that you wake up thinking about in the morning? Is he the one that dominates your thoughts through the day? Is he the one that comes front and center in, in your life? When you think of what he's done for you, are you filled with a sense of awe and wonder uh, that, that he would love you, that he would graciously forgive you of your sins, knowing of all the things that you have done so that you could be brought back to God? Is your life full of hope as you think about the future because of what Jesus has done for, for, for you and what he's promised you? You know where you're going, that one day you will be with him in eternity forever. Because that's the thing, isn't it? We, we talk about what we love and what we treasure. We talk about what we're passionate about and what we put our hope in. What is that thing for you? Is Jesus the most beautiful and compelling person in your life? Before he returned to the Father in heaven, uh, one of the last things that Jesus told us to do, that he, he left with his disciples and his people, is the great commission to go into all of the world and make disciples of, of all peoples, all nations, which, in order to fulfill that, it requires, of course, uh, that we first share our faith and we tell people about him. We can't make disciples until we first tell them about our Jesus. We have to evangelize people, but on the whole, we're, we're not that good at doing that. Instead of carrying out Christ, Christ's great commission, we have committed the great omission, as some people call it. Far too often, instead of sharing with others, we've kept our faith to ourselves, private. Why is that? On our passage this morning, I think that Peter gives us the answer by explaining that, first of all, deep down, whether or not we evangelize and how we share our faith is really a matter of the heart. It all comes down to your heart and to mine. 
Remember Peter here in, in his letter, uh, as we heard last week, he's talking uh, up to Christians who've been scattered across the, the Roman Empire, who are facing hardship, they're facing persecution, they're facing suffering in their daily lives for their faith. Theirs was not an easy life. Suffering was to be expected. It was part of their existence. But even in the face of such persecution for following Christ, Peter reminds them that they don't need to be troubled or afraid because at the end of the day, no suffering, no persecution could ultimately harm them. Yes, it, it, persecution may lead to physical discomfort, may, need to, may lead to emotional stress and strain, may even lead to death. But because of Christ's death and resurrection, their eternal destiny was safe in God's hands. No matter what the world, no matter what the evil one throws at us, there's nothing that can ultimately touch us because we're safe in God's hands. He's got us. In fact, instead of harm, Christ followers can expect to know God's blessing in our lives. Because as Jesus promises us, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know, we live in a world today that's increasingly hostile to Christians and to Christian thought, a world in which more and more we find ourselves on the margins of society and not at the center. Increasingly, we're faced with the intolerance of the tolerant as we deal not only with matters of faith, but with living out the moral values and the principles and the ethics of the, the kingdom of God as we faithfully follow Jesus. As we find ourselves more and more on the outside when it comes to seeking to live for Christ, it can easily seem daunting or even make us fearful when it comes to taking a stand for what's right and when it comes to, to, to sharing the good news of Christ with those around us. But again, Peter says that when that happens, you, you don't need to be afraid. You don't need to be afraid of what other people think of you. You don't need to be afraid of what other people might say to you or how they react to you. And, and he gives us the antidote to any fear or worry that, that we may have when it comes to sharing our faith and taking a stand for Christ. The answer to growing in courage and boldness to represent Christ as his ambassadors in our world, it, it all has to do with our hearts. He says this, in your hearts, revere or set apart Christ as Lord, verse 15. In your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Why? Why does he say this? Because he knew that when we set apart Christ in our hearts as Lord, when, when we honor him to the depths of our being, that will change us. Your life will be transformed when you put Jesus on the throne of your heart at the center of your life. 
Your interests, your passions will change. Your conversations with other people will change too. As Tony Merida puts it in his book, Love Your Church, uh, when you treasure Jesus deeply, you will share the hope within you freely. When you treasure Jesus deeply, you will share the hope within you freely. And fear won't be an issue because when you set apart Christ as Lord, you come to realize that because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross for you, there's no need to fear what any human being can do to you. Your life, your eternity is safe in God's hands. Would that characterize your life today? In your heart of hearts, have you made Jesus Christ Lord? Have you surrendered your life to him? Are you living for him and for him alone? Is, is he on the throne of, of your heart, your life? For you is Christ the treasure that you would gladly give your whole life for, to be able to enjoy the benefits that he has won for us on the cross for all of eternity. You know, Peter is telling us here, you know, no matter what we face in this life, we can get through it. We can get through it successfully by making Jesus number one in our hearts and devoting ourselves to following him with all of our lives. And if that's you, you'll find it no problem to share your faith with others because you're sharing from the overflow of the treasure that you have in your heart, Jesus Christ. If you haven't come to that place in your life today where Jesus is, is Lord and you've come to accept and receive the, the free salvation that he gives to you, through the cross. If for you, Jesus is still a, a nice man or a, a kind teacher, or if you like the idea of receiving the benefits of eternal life, but haven't made the commitment of putting your faith in Jesus and putting him on the throne of your heart and making him Lord, then can I encourage you this morning, please do not leave this place today without talking to somebody without talking to me, without talking to a trusted friend and, and exploring more what it means to become a follower of Jesus, what it means to know God personally and to have him first in your heart. Don't leave here without finding more about what you can do and how you can be saved. Once we set apart Christ as Lord in our hearts. The next thing that Peter tells us here is that we'll be filled with hope. In his book, Good to Great, Jim Collins uh, writes about uh, Admiral Jim Stockdale, who was captured by the enemy during the Vietnam War. Um, he was the highest ranking U.S. officer, military officer, who uh, had been put incarcerated in the, in the Hanoi Hilton as they called it. He was a prisoner, it was a prisoner of war camp. He was tortured over 20 times during his eight-year imprisonment from 1965 to 1973. And Stockdale lived out the war without any prisoner's rights. He had no set release date. He had no certainty as to whether he would even survive to see his family again. 
He, he shouldered the burden of command, doing everything that he could to create conditions around him that would increase the number of prisoners, his fellow brothers, who would survive unbroken while fighting an internal war against his captors and their attempts to use the prisoners of war for their propaganda. At one point, he, he beat himself with a stool and he cut himself with a razor, deliberately disfiguring himself so that he could not be put on videotape as an example of a well-treated prisoner. He exchanged secret intelligence information with his wife through their letters, knowing that discovery would mean more torture and perhaps even death. Collins had a chance to meet Stockdale uh, after, uh, and it, it, the, the man now walks with a limp because his stiff leg never fully recovered from the torture that he experienced. And Collins asked Stockdale how he could deal with the uncertainty of his faith and the brutality of his captors when he didn't know the end of the story. And Stockdale said this, I, I never lost faith in the end of the story, he said. I never doubted not only that I would get out, but also that I would prevail in the end and turn the experience into the defining event of my life, which in res retrospect, I would not trade. In a word, Stockdale held on to hope. But Peter's point here is that if you have given your life to following Jesus Christ, you have entered into a far greater story still, which will one day reach its conclusion when Christ returns in glory and takes all who follow him into his presence forever. This is what God's people hold on to when faced with uncertainty and in the midst of unsettled times, or even when faced with persecution and suffering for our faith, hope is what gets us through. But their hope also became part of their witness, and, and hope should play a significant part in your witness too. Christians should be the most hopeful people on the planet. So much that when we're faced with opposition, when we're faced with suffering, when people ask us questions, when people wonder what's going on in their life, in our life, if you face opposition, if you face suffering, if you face persecution, you stand tall because you know where your life is headed. And in the, in the face, face of uncertainty, you remain hopeful, not in a kind of let's cross our fingers and hope that's goes okay kind of way, not in a kind of touch wood kind of way. Christians don't do those things. Christians don't touch wood and hope for the best. No. This is a hope that keeps us. This is a hope that holds us. This is a hope that brings us through because we know how the story ends. God's got you because of Jesus. I'm thinking about all of this, you might say, but hold on, Jim, I'm, I'm no Peter. You know, he was able to stand up in front of thousands at the beginning of Acts there, and he was able to, to share the story of, of Christ and, 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 and share his faith, and thousands came to, to Jesus. Yeah, I couldn't do that. I'm no Peter. Let me tell you what you can do. All Christians can share the hope 
that they have, which is exactly what Peter tells us to do here. Christians should be the most hopeful people on the planet. And to a world that is crying out for hope, we need to be prepared to share the hope that we have, Peter tells us. However we can do it. And that's part of the beauty of, of, of the church and being members of the body of Christ. When it comes to radiating the hope of Christ to the world around us, we all have a part to play and we can all play a part. A C.H. Spurgeon, a renowned preacher, once said, every Christian, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. What he was trying to say there in the context of of his sermon was every Christian is an evangelist. Every Christian shares their faith or they are an imposter. We are all called to take up Christ's great commission, to tell others about him in whatever way we know how. You might say, well, I don't know the right words to say, Jim, uh, or I don't have all the answers to people's hard questions, or I don't know how to respond when people say that the Bible is untrue or that Christians are homophobic or transphobic or whatever the latest fad of the day happens to be. How can I share my faith? Easy, Peter says, with gentleness and respect. Prayerfully ask God for opportunities to share your faith with your loved ones, with your colleagues, with the the network of those around you, people that you rub shoulders with, people that you see day and daily, people that you come in contact with, your network. Pray for opportunities to share your faith. Pray for the right words to say when the time comes. Even if you're not just sure how to share the gospel, Everyone has a story, so tell your story. Talk about the difference that Jesus Christ makes in your life day and daily. Talk about the hope that you have, that even when life seems to be falling apart, you know it will be okay because God's got you. Take time to to learn how to share the good news of of Jesus and how to tell the Christian story, which is a better story than the world has to offer. Think about your context and live in such a way that sharing Christ within your network of friends will provoke thoughtful conversations, will provoke questions, will provoke people to ask, why are you different? Why do you have hope when the world seems to be locked in despair? Whether that's at work or with friends or at home or around your neighborhood or wherever you are, play to your strengths. If you're good at hospitality, invite people into your home. Show them Christ's love in practical ways as you tell them about Jesus. If you're good at gathering crowds, gather folks to to, to church events where they can hear about Christ or or, or create an opportunity for people to come along and and to have someone talk to them about Christ. If you're better in quieter conversations, one-on-one, talk to people over coffee, talk to them as you go on walks together, tell people about Jesus along the way. As you talk about Christ, do it graciously. Do it winsomely. 
in a way that's natural and appealing with gentleness and respect. And live in such a way that your life matches your lip. Use what you're good at. And remember that this is a team sport. We're, together we're stronger, aren't we? So invite people to church. Whether it's friends, neighbors, loved ones, colleagues, whoever you rub shoulders with, experience uh, shows that people who turn up to church on a Sunday are almost always here because someone invited them and brought them. Rarely do people walk off the street uninvited just because they woke up on some Sunday morning and thought, huh, I wonder what happens in those doors. I think I'll go in there and see what's going on. Rarely would someone in our community, even though they may know that we've had a refurbishment, even though they may know that something has gone on here buildings-wise, rarely would they go, I wonder what it looks like now. I'll go check them out. No, most of the time, people who show up at church on a Sunday are people who have accepted an invitation from you to come to church with them. And because there's something about you, because there's something about how you live, because there's something about how you talk, because there's something about the hope that you have, because there's something about the love and the care that you have for them, they become curious enough to want to know more. And they say, yeah, okay, I'll I'll, I'll try it out. I'll give it a go. And they come to check us out. And when that happens, we can welcome them together as the church family, as as the team. And we can point them to Jesus. So Peter says we should set apart Christ as Lord in our hearts. We should be hope-filled people who share the hope of Jesus readily with others. And the last point this morning is to do with when we should do this. When should we share our faith? And again, Peter tells us, verse 15, always, always be prepared to share the hope that you have, to give an answer to anyone who asks for the reason of our hope, and always with anyone, but with gentleness and respect. When people ask us hard questions, you know, that's okay. We may just have to say, you know, I don't know the answer to that one, but I'll find out for you. I'll go talk to somebody who does. I'll do a bit of research. I'll come back to you and we can talk more about this. Or, or come with me and we'll meet with the minister, with Noel, with, with somebody who we know who knows. And we'll work it out. We can find the answer to these questions. Might mean that we need a bit more training how to share our faith. And how to share confidently when we talk about Jesus. But hope-filled Christians should always be ready to share the hope that we have from the overflow that bubbles up from within us, that pours forth from our hearts of love for Jesus. And we should do that in love, seeing the other person in front of us as someone God loves very much and values so highly. Brothers and sisters, we have the best news that the world has ever known. And we serve a beautiful Savior, Jesus Christ. Before he returned to the Father in heaven, he he gave us his presence and his authority 
And he left us with a mission to tell others about him so that others might come to follow him as well, might come into this experience of life with him forever. We have the best news to share. And it's all of our jobs to share it, not just my job, not just the leader's jobs. It's all of our jobs to share it. We're all in this together. Every Christian is an evangelist. Reaching into the relationships and the networks that we are a part of and and living such hope-filled lives that when we talk about Jesus, that people are attracted not just to our message, but they're attracted to Jesus, our wonderful Savior. That's what we're all called to do. Folks, everyone out there, everyone is evangelizing something. Whether it's their favorite football team, whether it's their favorite celebrity, whether it's their favorite new film, whether it's their favorite pop group or celebrity, whatever it is. People talk about the difference, don't they, of how healthy eating has changed their lives. They talk about the difference about their new exercise regime has made to their, their health and to their figure. And the question that we're left with this morning is, are we sharing the good news of Jesus Christ like that? Bearing witness to the one who has changed us and who's written a whole new story on our lives, who has given us a new purpose and a new direction, who's filled us with life and hope beyond our wildest dreams. Are we sharing that good news about our risen, crucified, majestic, our crucified, risen, majestic Lord, Jesus, who one day will return in glory? Or are we keeping the best news to ourselves? I want to challenge us this morning. God calls each of us to be a part of this mission. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ today, I wonder uh, who are two or three people in, in your circle of friends, people that you know, maybe it's family, maybe it's neighbors, somebody that you know needs the Lord. Pray for them. Put them on a list and pray for them. Pray for them daily. Keep praying for them that the Lord will break into their hearts and into their lives and that he will give you an opportunity to be able to share Christ with them. Ask Christ if there are other people that he wants you to put on on your list as well and pray for those people too. But let's be intentional about lifting people up to the Lord and about sharing our faith with them because we have the best news the world has ever known. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the difference that Christ has made in our lives. We thank you that we are not the same as we once were, but we are forgiven. We are transformed. We are set free. We are the freedom people. And we have a whole new life in you. We have a hope that quenches any despair because we know our lives are safe in your hands. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would help us to more and more see you as you are, to more and more be captivated by your beauty, to more and more allow you to take center stage in our hearts and in our lives that together we might live for you, for your glory alone, filled with hope, 
that we would reach out with compassion, that we would reach out in love, that we would reach out and share the good news story that we have with anyone who will listen. And Father, we pray for a move of your spirit in our midst to empower us to do all of these things for your glory. But we pray for a move of your spirit in our friends, in those people that, that you, we love and need you that are going to be on our list that we're going to be praying for. Father, we pray for a move of, our, of your spirit in our community to draw people to yourself. And Father, we pray that you might help us to be those who go courageously, boldly, willingly, happily to tell them about our wonderful Savior. Father, we pray for renewal and revival in our time as many give their hearts and their lives to following our Savior. We pray for the building of your kingdom. And we pray this all for your glory. Strengthen us, embolden us, encourage us, fill us up with your spirit, and send us out to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.